The epistle for this 22nd Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Brethren, I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to perfection until the day of Christ Jesus. And I have the right to feel so about you all because I have you in my heart, all of you, alike in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel as sharers in my joy. For God is my witness how I long for you all in the heart of Christ Jesus. In this I pray, that your charity may more and more abound in knowledge and in all discernment, so that you may approve the better things, that you may be upright and without offense unto the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of justice through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 22nd chapter of the gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, the Pharisees went and took counsel how they might trap Jesus in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art truthful, and that thou teachest the way of God in truth, and that thou carest nothing for any man, for thou dost not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their wickedness, said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin of the tribute. So they offered him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose are this image and the inscription? They said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. To you, Reverend Father, dear faithful, we have these midterm elections coming up on Tuesday, and we have this gospel where our Lord gives certain social doctrine. He speaks about political matters. The Pharisees are trying to set a trap for our Lord. They even have some sort of meeting where they plot how they can trap our Lord. And they they decide they're going to ask him a question that seems impossible to answer. Any answer he gives is going to be um, to his detriment. If our Lord says, well, you should not give tribute to Caesar, then he's going to be in trouble with the law as a dissenter against the Roman government. If he says that you should give tribute to Caesar, he's going to be hated by the Jews because they, they were chafing under the rule of the Romans. They did not like the fact that they were under a Roman governorship and they were looking for a Messiah, precisely who would gather an army and who would overthrow the Romans. So it seems like our Lord is trapped without any recourse, but he very wisely finds a way to defeat their strategy. He asks them to show him a coin of the tribute. And notice it's like he doesn't have any money on himself. So he asks them, you show me the coin of the tribute. And they, they reach into their pockets and they pull out a denarius. So they're using the money. And the money has the face of Caesar on it. It has the inscription of Caesar on it. Caesar Augustus and his, his rule. And they're doing traffic with this money. They're exchanging goods with this money. So if they don't like the government, yet they are implicit in supporting that government just by the fact that they're trafficking with the money of that government. 
as such, you know, if, if they're admitting the power of Caesar and their subjection to him, then they have to pay tribute to Caesar, even if he is a pagan Roman, even if they would like to be independent and they're not independent. This teaching of our Lord that, well, I mean, you, you have to pay tribute to your rulers, even if they're losers, even if they're not the best people, they're still an authority and, and you, you have to pay your taxes. It's remarkable that the, the first Christians lived under some of the worst tyrants in the history of the world, like Nero. Nero was a complete nutcase. He was a, he was a narcissist, total narcissist. He was not ruling at all for the common good of the, of the people. And, and yet, St. Peter taught that you have to be subject to your rulers. He said, be subject, therefore, to every human creature for God's sake, whether it be to the king as excelling or to governors sent by him. You know, some of the first Christians made the best soldiers in, in the Roman army, and they obeyed their rulers as far as was possible, as long as it didn't contradict the will of God. And when, when it contradicted the will of God, they laid down their life for God. But otherwise, they were good citizens. So this shows us today how we still have to pay taxes, even if we do not like the way that the government is being run or the laws are iniquitous. But our Lord doesn't just say that you have to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He also says you have to render to God the things that are God's. What are the things that are God's? You are. You belong to God. The coin is in the image of Caesar. You are created in the image of God. And as such, it's the duty of the rulers when they pass laws, when they rule the, the, the country, to rule in such a way that they uphold the authority of God over the human race. They have a duty to pass laws that correspond to the laws of God. They receive authority from God. They are beholden to God. And they have a duty to work for the common good of the citizens. And the, the common good of the citizens, what is the best for you, what is the best for me, because we're all human beings created by God, is that the laws reflect the design of God for human beings. He made us in a certain way. He made us with a given goal and the way to get to that goal. There are certain laws for our human nature, for our good functioning. And the rulers of a, of a nation, in, in all justice, should pass laws as they support the commandments of God. They follow the commandments of God. As of three years ago, and, and perhaps even to this day, it's, it's still illegal in 18 states, in the United States, to commit the sin of adultery. It's on the books. Adultery is forbidden. In six states, all extramarital sex is illegal. Of course, these laws are not enforced. They, you know, people are not, are not being put in prison for, for, for doing these things. But it's a reflection of the, we may say, former spirit of, of this country. And really, this was true for so many countries throughout the world. Today, these, these laws can hardly be found. I think it's 
probably only in the United States or very, very few countries that still have these laws on the books. They used to be on the books for, for so many countries in the world. Why do these laws exist? They existed to protect the institution of marriage. Why did they want to protect the institution of marriage? Because marriage comes from God. It's written in our human nature. It's the way he made us. Why are the things that come from God, why are they to be protected? Precisely because we are made in his image and we are happy in living as he made us. It's simply to protect the common good. The family is the foundation of, of society. If you're not protecting the family, then you're destroying the human race. So that's the way it should be. That's the way rulers should rule. They have a duty and justice towards God to rule in that way. What happens when, when it is not that way? When the, when the laws of God are not recognized by the state? Say you have a situation where the state claims it doesn't need to pay attention to the laws of God, to the laws of our human nature. And it says to the citizens, guess what? Up to this point, I mean, we've made laws according to the law of God, but now we're just going to ignore God and we're going to let you decide how you, you want the country to be run. We're going to have democracy. We're going to vote on reality, on what is good and what is evil. So we're just going to put up for vote all these things that, that really used to be completely off the table. We wouldn't even bring them up for discussion because we all knew what was right and wrong. Let's, let's forget we know what is right and wrong, and let's say that we can decide what is right and wrong, and we're going to start putting these things up for vote. What will happen if you do this? What will happen in a country if this new method of governing is instituted? What will happen is the institution of tyranny in that country. Tyranny will happen. Let me just give you a long quotation from Leo XIII and his encyclical on liberty, and then just try to unpack what he says. Here are the words of Leo XIII. Once ascribed to human reason the only authority to decide what is true and, and what is good, and the real distinction between good and evil is destroyed. Honor and dishonor differ not in their nature, but in the opinion and judgment of each person. Pleasure is the measure of what is lawful, and given a code of morality which can have little or no power to restrain or quiet the unruly propensities of man, a way is naturally open to universal corruption. With reference also to public affairs, authority is severed from the true and natural principle whence it derives all its efficacy for the common good. And the law determining what is right to do and avoid doing is at the mercy of the majority. Now this is simply a road leading straight to tyranny. Step one, political leaders say to you, we're going to let you, the people, decide what the laws of the land are. <clears throat> what is good and what is evil, what is right, and what is wrong, when they should be saying, we guarantee to you that we are going to uphold the laws of God because those laws correspond to your good, to the way that you're made. Step two, various factions are created 
you have some people, what are people today are called the religious, quote unquote, religious right. They're like, oh, we need to uphold the laws of God. We need to have form lobbies to support the laws of God, support laws like laws against adultery or laws against fornication or laws against divorce or against birth control. And then, of course, you have another faction, the other lobbies, the, the social justice warriors, the, the leftist activists, the ACLU, whoever, who stands up and say, oh, we need to overturn all of these laws that correspond to the law of God and make our laws allow any manner of immorality and promiscuity. That's step two, the factions are created. Step three, because of our fallen human nature, because we as human beings are much more attracted to evil than we are to good, because we kind of have a certain liking for immorality more than morality. What happens over time is immorality starts winning out. And more and more, the, the laws protecting family, protecting marriage, protecting human decency, they fall away. Pretty soon, everything and anything is permitted in the land. Birth control is legalized. Divorce is legalized. Fornication and adultery are legalized. Abortion is legalized. Homosexuality is legalized. Same-sex marriage is legalized. Gender transitioning is legalized. The rights of parents to educate their children, to discipline their children, to train their children in what is good are taken away. I don't have to be a prophet in saying these things. These things have actually happened. This is what has happened in our country. All these things have been legalized over time when they used to be illegal because the rulers said, we need to forbid these things because they're against the law of God and they're against, therefore, the, the flourishing of the human race. And we want our people to flourish. We want the people on our land to flourish. So we're, we're not going to allow these things. So slowly but surely a person finds himself in a land where the laws of the nation do not correspond to what he is and the way that he's made. In other words, they do not correspond to the good. Evil is made legal and, and therefore approved in, in the land. Okay, why is this tyranny? Why does Pope Leo XIII call this tyranny? How is this a certain tyranny exercised over you? Well, the reason is this. If the rulers are legislating according to your objective good, what, what really is best for you, then they are actually taking care of you. Whereas if they're not doing that, then they are subjecting you to laws that are made up by the mere whims of people. It could be some sort of powerful lobby who has a lot of money. It could be George Soros. It, it could be just people's moods, what, what people feel like having at the current moment. And in other words, there's being imposed upon you an order that is not really according to your good. In fact, is against your good. 
and is not being decided in your best interest. And it's changing all the time according to whims or according to what the media is telling people, according to a certain propaganda, but has no relation to what is actually best for you. And you, you, you are a victim of that state of affairs. You're forced to live in a world where your family is no, the family is no longer protected, marriage is long, no longer protected, morality is no longer protected, and you just have to do the best you can to flourish as a human being when there's no protections for the laws of morality. <clears throat> and you have a land of anti-commandments where all the commandments are contradicted. Let's go through them. Fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. As I mentioned, children are no longer obliged to honor their parents, and they can call up the police and say, you know, make some sort of report um, because they're, they're getting disciplined at home. And, and the parents can, can be hauled in by child protection services as, as a result. Fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. Well, you can kill the elder, elderly now. It's, it's permissible in many states to, to put them to death. You can, you can kill the child in the womb. There's no rights for the, for the child in the womb. Sixth commandment, as, as I've mentioned, all of the laws forbidding sexual immorality are, are gone. Anything can be done by anybody as long as it's consensual. The state will say, you want to be an adulterer? We will support you. You, you want to change your gender? We will support you. You want to marry someone of the same sex? We will support you. Seventh commandment, there's certain things that have happened recently that are kind of alarming where big corporations sort of take your money or refuse to let you use your money. Recently, uh, PayPal was freezing some, some accounts or there, remember those, those truckers in Canada who were, um, having these demonstrations and, and at some point, the, 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 they were, those who made donations to the truckers movement on the GoFundMe page, um, their, their accounts were being freezed or, or they were, they were being profiled because they were donating to that cause. Um, there have been cases where, where Visa steps in and says, I'm not going to allow you to do business with a Visa credit card anymore because you're associated with this sort of political movement or, or these opinions. And then the Eighth Commandment, um, where, you know, if, we, if you live in a world where the idea is that you can create your own good and your own evil, your own truth and your own falsity, then there is no respect for objective truth at that point. Everyone can lie to you, especially the media and the politicians. And when the Catholic churchmen are no longer upholding um, God's law of morality, then there's nothing to hold back the tyranny of immorality. So the bottom line, my dear faithful, is, is that the, the nation has the duty, the rulers of the nation have a duty to render to God the things that are God. And that's you. They have a duty to uphold the laws of God, the commandments of God in the laws that they pass, regardless of what the people want. It doesn't matter what the people want. The people need to be given what is good for them. 
not what they desire. And when a, when a nation does not do this, the laws of the land become completely arbitrary. You're subject to the tyranny of the mob deciding the laws. The, the, the laws are just based on political propaganda, the feelings of the moment, some sort of sinful desire for immorality, whatever. Now we, obviously we as, we as Catholics, we, we have to do what we can to try to uphold the, the rights of God in our land in order to help prevent that tyranny of immorality take over. But I also say these things in, in order for us to make some sort of examination of conscience for ourselves. So how do I go about making decisions? Am I a tyrant? Do, do I make decisions purely on the basis of passion? Am I thinking of giving to God what, what I owe to God? Um, do, I, do I make decisions on, on the basis of, of what he wants in my life, on the basis of principles, on the basis of the principles of my Catholic faith, rather than my own feelings? It's especially in this month of November that, that we all remember as, as Catholics that there, is, there will come a day when we will have to give an accounting not to our political leaders, not to our friends and family, but to God himself. And at that time, um, he, will, he will ask us whether in our life we, we showed him the homage that was due to him. So let us especially seek in our Catholic lives to, to render to God the things that are God's, which namely is, and especially, our own soul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.